Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary Fitzgerald. Okay, good morning, church. And um, it's a joy to be uh, with everyone this morning and to see everyone that's uh, joined with us on Zoom again and really has been a blessing in the times in which we live to be able to come together on this platform. And um, uh, I, I know I've been blessed and I'm sure you have too. Uh, Sean, thanks for that uh, communion message. Uh, it was a blessing. And uh, surely we have been ransomed, amen, redeemed by the precious, precious blood of Jesus Christ. And um, when we think about it, it never ceases to amaze me uh, that he would save a wretched sinner like us, you and me, and um, nothing of ourselves, but it's all of him. And so glory be unto God this morning. Well, in light of that, I want to uh, share with you again this morning and um, you may recall last week um, I ministered a message that I had entitled to him who overcomes. And so we looked at specifically um, aspects of men's responsibility and God's sovereignty that related to that particular issue. And um, we looked at faith as well um, and the various aspects of it. Well, today I want to preach part two of that um, and so during the week, um, Pastor Werner was uh, meant to minister this morning, but uh, due to his situation, he was unable. So I had the opportunity again to speak. And so I, I want to follow through uh, with the second part of this message. And in doing so, I again want to just highlight at the beginning this issue again of men's responsibility and God's sovereignty, uh, because it's a critical uh, factor that we see in the scriptures. Now, you will remember last week we made note and emphasis on the issue of faith and, and how that is a critical component in being an overcomer as Jesus would require us to be, to him who overcomes. But there's another word that I want to look at this morning that uh, uh, is basically the other side to the coin, if you want to can, uh, illustrate it that way. And it is the biblical word for patience, patience. And so um, we know that in the world, there's a saying that says patience is a virtue. And uh, in essence, it is, especially as we understand it in scripture. But in saying that, it's a, more than just a, a virtue, uh, as we will see in the scriptures as they reveal uh, to us glorious truths that are associated with the Christian life and with the, uh, this issue of patience. Now, uh, again, I want to just draw your attention to the book of the Revelation. And we made an issue of the fact that the book itself uh, covers the theme of the overcomer. And, and, and obviously as it relates to faith, but also there's that principle of patience that is addressed within the churches themselves as Jesus is speaking to them. 
and again uh, throughout the book of uh, the Revelation, and uh, especially in Revelation chapter 13, verse 9, the Bible speaks about those, obviously, this is speaking about those in the tribulation period, but it's a principle, and it's a principle that's throughout the scriptures, as we'll see. But let me read it to you. It says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who, leads, uh, he who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Now listen, here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Notice the two are coupled together. And it is the patience and the faith, or faith and patience. And so the two are married together in Scripture. And we want to make the emphasis of patience because this is critical. If we're going to live the overcoming life, then we must persevere. We must endure. We must have patience. And so when Jesus was speaking to the church at Philadelphia uh, in Revelation chapter 3, he, he commended them and he also gave them an instruction in Revelation chapter 10, uh, sorry, verse chapter 3, verse 10, actually, Jesus says, because you have kept my command to persevere, or the word is to be patient, because the same word, because you have kept my command to be patient or to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. And so as we endure as we uh, adhere to the Lord's command and instructions to keep his word, to be patient and to persevere unto the end, then again we find there are certain promises uh, that we will receive from our Lord in that time. And so it's the issue of faith and patience this morning. As I said, it relates to those in the future, but it relates to those heroes of the, of the saints of the past. Uh, because they were characterized by exactly the same issue, faith and patience. And so we are not exempt in the day in which we live and the responsibility that we bear today to have patience. And so you may recall that last week, when I, you may or may not, but when I concluded my message, I read one particular text, and this is going to lay the foundation for, uh, this is our text actually that we want to consider. It's in Hebrews chapter 6. And I read this, but we want to use this as a, a bit of a launching pad, really, to establish this truth that we're going to consider in the context of to him who overcomes. So in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 and verse 12, let's read the scripture. Paul writes and he says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So you can see here, again, these words are coupled together. And uh, because you, you must have to have faith, you must have patience. And to have patience, you must have faith. And so as we consider these this morning, I pray that God will, will edify us, that we would be strengthened, we would be edified and be encouraged through the word of God this morning.
Now, there is a context, obviously, to the book of Hebrews and to the scripture in which we've just read. And so the Hebrew Christians are being exhorted and they are in the midst of facing uh, uh, the threat of persecution because having come out of Judaism into Christianity and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are facing uh, immense um, opposition, immense threat of persecution. And so there are also in the midst of their trials, they have um, become sluggish context. You can see that um, previously in chapter six and chapter five, uh, Paul is uh, correcting them, giving them a correction because he says that they are spiritually immature and that they have not gone on and that they have become dull of hearing. And that word dull of hearing or dull is the same word in our text where it says, but do not become sluggish. They had become sluggish. They'd become uh, lazy. They'd become dull in their hearing. Uh, uh, and the, the word actually means they become stupid. And so, uh, you know, the truth is, is that Christians can be, be stupid at times. And you don't have to say amen there, but, I, I, uh, but it's true. And we can at times... So not display the, the characters and qualities that, that are required of us. And in this case, we're talking about a faith and patience to inherit the promises that are spoken of in the Bible. So it says in verse 12, imitate. Imitate. That word imitate means to, to mimic. And so in other words, we are to consider those that have gone before us, the heroes of the faith, which are spoken of later in chapter 11. And we are to consider the Old Testament prophets. We are to consider the Old Testament saints and all of those that have gone before us who are an example of faith. And we are to observe their lives. And the Bible says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises or were overcomers. And so therefore we must pay close attention. If we are to imitate, if we are to observe their lives and we are to copy, that word imitate is a mimic, it's to observe in a similar manner. As Paul would say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so imitation is, uh, is, uh, is the word that uh, uh, is being used here. And so it is important that we have examples to follow, not just in terms of those that have gone before us, but even present day examples as well of those that would show us a way and lead us and be an example that we could follow after. And so faith and patience is that which we are required to have. Now, the truth is, is that uh, patience for the most part does not come naturally. I know myself and there are those that know me and, and I'm sure you can all testify that patience is not, what a characteristic that comes natural. We are by nature impatient. And so our tendencies, uh, 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 and whenever we're in a situation where we have to display this quality of patience and perseverance, it's not something that comes natural, nor is it something that we like to do. And so um, it's kind of goes contrary to our nature. And so, I want to consider with you this morning the word patience because it's actually various aspects to it, which I'm going to highlight. And I want to see what the Bible illustrates, what the Bible defines and what the Bible teaches us concerning this particular word. And I want to start with um, uh, Jesus himself 
in Luke chapter 21, verse 19, in which Jesus makes a statement. And in this, he, he, he says these words. He says, by your patience, possess your souls. Now think about that, because this is a profound statement. By your patience, possess your souls. Now, again, uh, it is important just to highlight quickly the context. Jesus is speaking about uh, that which is to come. He's speaking to his disciples about the per uh, and to his church about persecution. And uh, he even goes as far to say in the preceding verses, he says, you will, he says, you will be betrayed. And he says, even by parents and by brothers and relatives and friends, some of you will be put to death. And these are the words that he has spoken, which, which are heavy, heavy words. I mean, betrayed by your parents, betrayed. And this is a reality of life where Jesus tells us your enemies will be those of your own household. And yet in that, in, even in that situation, he says, by your patience, possess your souls. Patience is critical to our survival. Patience is what keeps and maintains our soul this morning. And so because Jesus uses the words, possess your soul. Or in other words, he's telling us that we must uh, exercise a level of self-governance, a level of self-control. This is dealing with the inner man. This is dealing with uh, maintaining and keeping our soul in such a way that uh, uh, we are maintaining a possession of it. Because the truth is, is when we are in the midst of trial, suffering or whatever it is that one goes through, there are the winds and storms of life that want to blow us too, and they want to toss us to and fro and in all different directions. And so uh, sometimes this, people get caught in the whirlwind of these things and the, 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 there can be damage. There can be a, um, a consequence to this uh, where people struggle. They fail, they fall short, and some sink. And so they, uh, they don't maintain an internal strength uh, of soul in which in this case Jesus says through your patience possess your souls otherwise uh, we can lose lose control very quickly and we can get uh, moved and controlled by the circumstances without when we are to be controlled amen by and through patience within and this is what Jesus is talking about so let's look at at this word patience and let's see exactly what Jesus is trying to tell us and let's define it a little bit further because in in Revelation chapter 3 where Jesus uses the word uh, perseverance or patience to the church in Philadelphia he uses the same Greek word and I want to highlight this because there is a distinction as we'll see as we go through it and we'll make sense of this a little bit further as well so Jesus uses a particular word for patience and it's a Greek word and it's the Greek word hupomeno. Now, why I, the reason why I highlight this is this particular Greek word defines for us how to understand what patience really is. And uh, the word itself is, and it's the word hupo, which means under, and meno, which means to stay. So when we talk about the word patience or to be patient, 
we are literally, it, 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 what we are being told is we must remain under or stay under, bear under the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so uh, this is what patience is. You see, patience it, uh, finds its expression under those circumstances, being in certain situations. And the word itself, patience, also in the Greek, carries with it. It means to have fortitude, or in other words, an inner strength so that you can persevere. And so the issue of patience is critical this morning. And also, I must point out that the word uh, in the Greek as well is connected, and it means this. It means cheerful or hopeful endurance, patient continuance and waiting. Or in other words, we must have a disposition of spirit this morning that is one of patience. And what I mean by that is uh, uh, rather than be overcome, rather than uh, 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 be um, in a state of, of sorrow and self-pity and sullenness sometimes in the circumstances of life, that is not the characteristic and quality of patience. Patience uh, uh, is, doesn't get depressed in that sense. Patience doesn't allow us to come to a place of depression and discouragement, but rather the opposite. It enables us to, patience enables us to remain, obviously means to remain under the circumstances that we are enduring, but at the same time have a disposition of spirit that is filled with hope. That's why it says the full assurance in our text, the full assurance of hope unto the end. And so it's a cheerful expectation in which we can still rejoice. We can still have victory. We can still, as the scripture says, overcome in such circumstances. And there's also another Greek word, and we're going to go to that later. And, I'll, and, and I pray when we do, your eyes will be open to a few things. But, um, but patience requires us to endure. Simple as that. It means you must remain uh, under those circumstances. And when Jesus was addressing the various churches and uh, Philadelphia, and especially here to the church in Philadelphia, he was telling them that they would have to continue to persevere, remain in those circumstances. Sometimes we want to, we want out now. I've had enough. I can't take this anymore. And yet God would sometimes for various purposes, as we'll see, wants us to remain under that circumstance for, in that situation for his purpose, for his, uh, 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 actually for, and it's connected sometimes with his uh, discipline as we'll also see in a moment. But regardless of how challenging the circumstances are, we must deal with them uh, through patience and perseverance because this is the demeanor an attitude of an overcomer, one who trusts God and rejoices in God despite the circumstances. Now, let me illustrate this to you a little bit further. Let's go to James chapter 1. <clears throat> James chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect 
and complete, lacking nothing. Now note that. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now that is not natural. That is not a, you know, when we fall, when the world falls into various trials, it's, it, as it has now, people panic. People get overcome by fear and anxiety and all the things that we're seeing. But yet here, the Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith, they see our faith gets tested in various circumstances, that the testing of your faith produces patience. But listen, patience must have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. So the question is, in trials, does patience have its perfect work? Because so often we are impatient, and sometimes uh, we don't count it a joy. But rather, we can complain and we can uh, uh, be frustrated and various other things. And so this is contrary to what the scripture is teaching us. To be patient means to have cheerful endurance, to have hope. So you count it a joy, not because you're enjoying your circumstances. They're terrible. But as terrible as they may be, there's a duality to this. We're not talking about external things. We're talking about internal. We're talking about spiritual things. And the Bible says, count it joy. And there lies the key to an overcoming life. So James makes it clear that the testing of our faith produces patience. And this is not the ways of the world, but it is the ways of God. Now, I want to go a little bit deeper in this as we look at this word patience. And I want to look at Israel and some scripture here in the Old Testament. It's in Isaiah chapter 30. As we know, Isaiah, I mean, um, Israel consistently gives us an example as Christians. And we are to take heed to these, these things because the Bible tells us these things happen to them as an example to us. And, and in Isaiah chapter 30, let me again establish the context here because we have is this is obviously the prophet Isaiah speaking to the children of Israel and Israel is in disobedience to God. The covenant, uh, the, this is the, uh, the, um, those that are in covenant with God, they are in rebellion and disobedience to God. They're not trusting in God. They are trusting in themselves. If you were to read the chapter 30 and establish the context and more than that, they are now under the discipline of God as a nation. And so God is, uh, through the prophet, is speaking to them. He's correcting them. He's advising them, exhorting them, rebuking them to trust and to have faith in him. And still they refuse, which is so sad, but it's symbolic of human nature and also even us as Christians at many a times. But let's look at Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15. Now listen carefully. Bible says, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Now listen to those words. This is God speaking to Israel and in effect to you and I. 
And he says, uh, in returning, this is after a time of discipline by God, in returning and in rest, you shall be saved or safe. And he says these words, in quietness and confidence, there lies your strength. Now, uh, let's ponder those words for a moment. Because, um, you know, what's sad is Israel... Uh, uh, in verse 15 there, it says in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But God says, but you would not, you would not, Israel would not uh, display and partake in this manner that God was instructing them to do so. In actual fact, he says um, in verse 16, and you said, no, we will flee on horses. So in other words, they're under God's discipline. God's trying to bring them into a place where they will be patient. They will be at rest, that they would come to a place of quietness and confidence where they can be healed. And yet in their foolishness and in their stubbornness and rebellion, they, uh, the picture of horses is fleeing on horses is a picture that they trust in themselves and their own strength. And this is what human nature is like. And so we were rather than trusting God and find ourselves in that place of patience and that place of um, uh, quietness and confidence in God, we try and manipulate, we try and orchestrate, we try and take control of circumstances. And in a sense, the Christian gets on their horse. And so often God has to knock us off our high horse. Amen. Uh, in order to bring us to this place. But, but again, uh, we have this idea of God's chastening and it's not foreign to the Bible in the new Testament, uh, in Hebrews 12, actually, when it talks about God's discipline and God's chastisement, what does it say? It says these words, it says, are we not to endure chastening as God's people? Remember in other words, we are to be patient. We are to persevere through God's discipline. Sometimes uh, that is where we find ourselves in the Christian life. And I have been there many a times and uh, not understanding sometimes uh, everything that's going on, but count it all joy, even though you may not understand. But in time, God will reveal himself, his purpose, and he will reveal his word and his, the lessons that sometimes we need to learn, especially if we're going to be the overcomer that God requires us to be so let's get back to this word in in isaiah 30 where it says quietness and confidence because i want to draw your attention to something here and again i'm going to go deeper but i think uh we should because it teaches us a, and gives us insight to a, a glorious truth that surrounds the issue of patience this morning now quietness in the hebrew of this word literally just means rest it means a freedom from we a fear worry uh, it speaks of a peace and a tranquility and a calmness of soul. So this is the quietness. Uh, this is the rest that we have in Christ. But then is the word confidence. And so when we think of the word confidence in the Hebrew here, it means trust. Now, we understand, biblically speaking, that the word faith uh, is connected with confidence and trust in God. But in the Hebrew, this particular word that is being used is unique. And, uh, the re and so I want to point it out because the word is, is, uh, is trust. But there's a distinction that I want to highlight because the word trust here in the Hebrew is used in the feminine. Now you say, well, what does that mean? If you go to the, the Hebrew root word of this particular word, 
let me read it to you so you can draw the distinction. It's uh, it, it, the word uh, for this Hebrew word, I won't pronounce it, but it means this, a place of refuge. It means both the fact and the feeling that is connected to that place of refuge or that place of safety. Now, listen to this, both the fact, which is the security, and the feeling, which is trust. Okay, so there are two aspects to the word. And so when it uses the word confidence, trust, it's speaking in the feminine. So it's talking now about uh, the feeling. Now, you say, oh, Pastor Gary, where are you going with this? The Christian life's not based on feelings. And absolutely, it is not. But we cannot ignore the fact that God has made us as emotional beings. God has made us with a soul that and these are the components that make us up. And so as the saying goes, uh, emotions are wonderful servants, but they are horrible taskmasters. And so listen carefully, I'll say it again. Emotions or feelings are wonderful servants, but they are horrible taskmasters. And so, in other words, we don't live by our feelings. Our feelings don't sit at the, at the top. They don't dictate to us. Amen. The facts are what dictate to us. And so, when we talk about this word uh, confidence in the Hebrew, there are two aspects. There's the fact that it is established, which establishes security. This is what it means, security, or our refuge. And then there's the feeling of trust. So you, you get the picture that the feeling of trust is, is, is a byproduct of the fact. So the fact is always first. The word of God is always first. We don't live and base our, our, our Christian life on feelings, but rather on fact. But that doesn't mean that the, the, the Christian life is without feeling because it is. So again, the question is, well, then what place must those feelings have? And this is where the word is being used in confidence, in trust. It's talking about that we would, we would feel, have a sense of feeling in trusting God. We would come to a place of calmness and tranquility in him. So I'm going to illustrate this further for you because this is a scripture that God had spoken to me many years ago that really set the tone for so much in my own life. And it's in Psalm 131. So maybe you can turn with me. Psalm 131. Now this is a Psalm of David. And it's a short Psalm. But nevertheless, it's profound because listen to what it says. Now David is speaking. And it's a, it's a Psalm about simply trusting God. And he says in verse one, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor are my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. But listen to verse two. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now, listen to what David is saying here. This is profound. He says, surely I, in the, you know, I don't concern my, myself with matters that are just beyond my understanding. 
They're too profound for me. We, we sometimes get so caught up in trying to understand anything and everything, but we're not going to church. And, uh, and our faith and trust in God doesn't rest upon us understanding everything. You know, it's, it rests upon this reality where David says, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. This is in the same context as quietness that we were looking at in, in Isaiah. And he says, like a weaned child with its mother. Now, think about a, a newborn baby. A newborn baby with its mother that can be restless, you know, um, can cry as a, as a newborn baby does. But when a child is weaned, and there are various, various aspects to this, but let's just say when a child is weaned, being weaned by its mother, it comes to a place of, of, of calmness, of quietness, where, you know, dad can hold the baby and it's just... And then mum holds it and, you know, and how it works. And then all of a sudden the child settles, it comes calm and quiet. And uh, because the mother has weaned that child to itself. And so this is the picture that David is using. And it's a picture of faith. It's a picture of trust. And it's, a, it's about calming and quieting your soul. Because in the midst of life and its trials and its various trials, it wants to toss us to and fro, wants to cause anxiety, fear, worry. But when our soul is calmed and quieted in the Lord, like a winged child, then we enter into a place of quietness and confidence. And the Bible says in Isaiah 30, 15, that is your strength. Right there is our strength, church. It's not in being high and mighty. Oh, yes, I believe in trying to, you know, sometimes, I mean, there's a place for words, don't get me wrong, but it's not all the, sometimes we can be so outward that we're like a hot air balloon. You see, the strength that we're talking about is an inter internal strength. It's an in strength of soul that comes from God. Amen. As we simply trust in him and we establish the facts of his word, we rest in those facts and we have a sense in our feeling of calmness that comes upon our soul while the storms rage around us. And I pray that you will see that because this is a key component of patience this morning that we are considering. Now, <clears throat> let's go back to our text Stick, stick with me here. Back to our text in Hebrews chapter 6. Now, I want to draw your attention to the fact that it obviously, as we've established, it says, um, um, don't become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, I said to you earlier that there were two Greek words in relation to the word patience. And we have looked at one of them as used by Jesus himself. And uh, we've established that to be under, to remain under a cheerful endurance. But there's another word that is being used here in verse 12. It's not the same Greek word. And the Greek word is makrothumia. And what is interesting is, it, again, comes from two Greek words, and it means macro means long, and thumos means temper. And it's where we get the English word in scripture, long suffering. So this is very much 
part long suffering, a long temper. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that I constantly have to keep check on deal with in my life is being short tempered. Those aspects, in, and so we can, be, we can grow frustrated, agitated, annoyed, and all those factors that can creep upon us, and yet we are told to be long-suffering. And so when it talks about faith and patience in Hebrews 6.12, it's using the word long-suffering. And so we must suffer long. And when you look at Hebrews, these were those that suffered long. And so... That brings us to another aspect. Where does the quality of long-suffering come from in Scripture? What are we taught? Is this something that originates from us? Are we by nature long-suffering? No, but we know that God is. And we understand from the Scriptures that long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit as taught in Galatians chapter 5, where we find that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and long-suffering, self-control. And so here we have this, this aspect of long-suffering. It's not something that originates from man, but it is something that is a fruit of the Spirit that comes from God. And when we talk about patience this morning, we're talking about man's responsibility and God's responsibility. God's man's responsibility, God's sovereignty, and the two uh, complement and work together. And so, because the long suffering is a fruit of the spirit, and so when 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 God is at work in us, then we will begin to manifest a long suffering spirit, and or in other words, we will have patience. And it's through that that we inherit the promises is what the scripture is telling us. Now, let's go a little bit further. I want you to go now to James chapter 5. Now, remember, we looked at James, interestingly, he starts his epistle and he talks about patience. And when he ends his epistle, he talks about patience. But I want to make the distinction in James chapter 1. James, when he uses that word patience, he's using the Greek word hupomone or to remain under, to, chippy, to cheerfully endure. But in, in James chapter 5, he's using the other Greek word each time he uses it. So each time in chapter 1, it's the word hupomone, and each time in chapter 5, it's the word uh, in the Greek uh, macromuthia or long suffering. And so it's interesting to note this because James is, again, as we've just established, he's highlighting the aspect in chapter one of men's responsibility. But then when you go to chapter five and you look at it and study it, you consider it, you see that we're dealing with God's sovereignty, long suffering and patience in this context is something that comes from God and in which he helps us to be patient. In actual fact, if you were to go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, it says, uh, Jesus says, uh, where it says, uh, um, you've obeyed my command to be patient or to persevere. That is the, um, the, the proper rendering of that is that you have kept the word of my patience. And so there's something about the patience of God because God is patient, as the scripture tells us. That's his very nature. That is something that is deposited in us and is something that we, is lived out. Because God suffers long, God is long suffering, willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if God is patient, then we must have that same character. So let's go to James chapter five. And again, I just want to point this out. 
because it's, uh, it's worthwhile as we come to a conclusion this morning. But in verse 7, James says, Therefore, be patient. Now, this is the word long-suffering. Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. This is, and again, unto the end, as it says in our text, until the coming of Jesus Christ. See how the farmer, and he says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. Now he's using an illustration of a farmer. And, um, and I can use it as an example. I remember earlier in the year when I visited uh, Brother Morris Nicholson and his wife, Margaret, and um, they had been in a season of drought for some time. And it was, uh, I was asking them how they were, how they were doing, they were talking about the drought and the need that they had for rain. But you see, you can't just get up and do a rain dance. You can't manufacture the rain. And so, uh, and you don't know when the rain is going to come. And so you literally, you have to rely upon the early and the latter rain. There's a, you must learn if you're going to be a farmer, I'm certain I'm not, but if you, if you are, you must have patience, undoubtedly. And that's why James is referring to the farmer that waits patiently for the, the precious uh, fruit of the earth, but he waits for the early and the latter rain. And so we need to have patience to the end, to the coming of the Lord. Now listen to verse 8. He says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. There it is again. By and how? Through patience. In verse 9, he says, Don't grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You know, let's be honest. I think when we're frustrated in our own lives sometimes and when things aren't going the way in which we would want or whatever the circumstances are, we can grow a little bit impatient and then we can begin to grumble. And the scripture says, don't grumble against one another. In actual fact, that's what James is dealing with as he's uh, uh, going through the epistle. He says uh, in verse 11, they speak, spoke evil of one another. They're attacking one another. And this is, uh, sadly, this is how, what happens in churches. And I think we can all uh, acknowledge that. And, and no doubt, to some degree, we've all been guilty of it possibly in the past. And, uh, and yet, uh, isn't it interesting that uh, uh, be patient, don't grumble against one another because when the assembly is, when things, when assembly is not healthy before the Lord, what does it do? One of the things it'll grumble, it'll turn on itself. That's why Paul writes to the Galatians and he says these words to them. He says, stop biting and devouring one another. You are being self-consumed. And so and he's addressing the state of the internal affairs of the church. And so it's interesting because he says that in chapter five of Galatians, and it's straight after that, that he goes into talking about walking the spirit, not walking in the flesh. And so because the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, we're in a struggle and we have to learn to walk in the spirit. And in this case, be long suffering and have patience. Now look at verse 10 of James. He says, my brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. This is exactly what our text says in Hebrews. Imitate those who, 
<coughs> excuse me, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. And we look at the, the prophets who spoke in the name of God. They didn't, they weren't winning a celebrity contest by far. They were being persecuted and rejected by their countrymen. And, uh, and so if you're going to stand up for Jesus, beware, you will suffer persecution. You will face rejection. It's as simple as that. And then he says in verse 11, indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so, so it is. James is highlighting, he's drawing our attention to Job. And if you're familiar with the book of Job, if there's any book in the Bible that, uh, where you want to have some level of sympathy for a man, it is Job. And when you consider what he had to endure and had to, what he had to go through, and then his wife even says to him, listen, Job, just curse God and die. But yet uh, he refused to do so, and he patiently endured. And he, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was, he had to endure and persevere. But listen to what James says, look at the intended end. And that the Lord is merciful and compassion. And so when we look at the intended end of Job, we see a man that was blessed, doubly blessed by God. And so too, in you, you and I, rather, whatever it is that we have to endure, whatever it is that we have to go through, until the coming of the Lord, when that day comes, amen, we will enter into his glory. We will, amen, uh, enter into the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus, and we know the intended end, and God says we will win. So therefore, we are overcomers in Christ. Uh, again, I can't uh, emphasize it any more than what I have this morning as we've considered some of these things. God wants to bring, and he will bring, his sons, and, or in other words, his children, to glory. And what a day it will be. What a time when we enter in to the fullness of our salvation when our salvation becomes complete and this incorruptible so this corruptible puts on incorruption and we are transformed and with the lord forever comfort one another with those words in other words because that's what's going to provide the basis of perseverance and patience faith and patience inherit the promise i want to close just with one last scripture and it's found in Romans chapter 15. In Romans 15, verse 4 to 6, and uh, Paul is exhorting in his closing of the letter, and he says to them in verse 4, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded towards one another according to christ jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the god and father of our lord jesus christ now note a couple of things just quickly he says that these things were written for our learning which we've just considered some of these things today that we would have patience and comfort through the scriptures and surely we do 
Now he says God would grant us to be like-minded towards one another. See, James says, don't grumble, don't, don't fracture, don't, don't turn on each other, but rather he's exhorting us to unity. He says, be of one mind and of one mouth. And because this is what gives glory to God is together. We come together in unity and blessed are those that dwell together in unity. Together. We encourage one another together. We hold fast together. Uh, we, we, we look up and in, in that place, we are giving glory to God being of one mind and one heart and one spirit. And that is what God is looking for that we would not only be, patient individually but corporately as god's people collectively as the church we would be unified we would persevere and we would wait until the coming of our lord and so i was pray that the lord bless us all this morning and i think we could all do with a little bit more patience but let us understand that by by patience you will possess your soul and I pray that the Lord has spoken to each of you this morning and may God bless each of you. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for the word this morning. Lord, in quietness and confidence, there shall be our strength, Lord. When we talk about faith and patience, Lord, we realize that, that we do have a responsibility, but God, we need your grace. You're the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, uh, conform us, Lord, to the image of your Son. Let us bear the marks, Lord, of that which is of your Spirit, bearing fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, not living after the flesh. So, God, I pray, cause us, Lord, to live that overcoming life, as your word says, to him who overcomes. And so, Lord, I pray that we would all overcome in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.